Good morning, this is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Today, we're rolling back the clock and taking a look into Fordham University's oldest club, a performance group called The Mimes and Mummers. Members of the group are here today to talk about the club's illustrious history and what it's like to put on a production from script to show. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. So let's all go around the table, introduce yourself, and tell me why you joined Mimes and Mummers. All right. Uh, I'm Pat McCarthy. I'm the president of the Mimes and Mummers. And uh, I joined because in high school I started building uh, sets for my high school performances, and I really just fell in love with it. But uh, it's something <laughs> I really love to do, and it's, it's a great experience and a great community. Can I ask Patrick, why do they call you Spider Monkey? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, it's a question everyone wants to know. <laughs> when I first got to the mimes, there were three pats. When I got there, I could leap from the floor to the stage, which is about a four-foot jump. They said I jumped like a spider monkey. And, <laughs> it stuck. and the name <laughs> stuck. <laughs> okay. I am <laughs> um, Ellie Crane. I'm the secretary of the mimes. I originally joined because I'm a performer. I love to act and sing. But then the mimes just roped me in to every other aspect of theater. And now I'm here in more of a, an administrative role. But you still perform? Yes, I yes. do. Um, I'm Julie Lewis, and I'm the junior representative on the mimes. What does that mean? We have four representative positions, one for each class, and I'm the junior. So does that mean you like recruit people who are juniors to come and be a mime or a mummer? Or Technically, a mime a mummer? <laughs> I just represent the junior class, like all the juniors who are in the mimes. So that's... Oh, okay. My position. Um, and I joined the Mimes because I did theater in high school. Um, I mainly do technical stuff, so lighting design, set design, um, all that jazz. And I just love the community of it. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, my name is James Mitriatis, and I am um, vice president of the Mimes and Mummers. I'm in pretty much in charge of the day-to-day -day operations of the theater space, as well as um, a lot of the administrative tasks um, that are involved with it. I joined the Mimes because uh, my father and I acted together in high school. My dad's a Broadway World-nominated actor. We did What's his name? Nick Dimitriotis. He's done uh, community theater and regional theater throughout Connecticut, including Little Theater of Manchester um, and New Britain Repertory Theater. Me and him he did a couple shows together. And then coming to college, I've actually only acted in one per show. But I really fell in love with doing a lot more of the technical elements. So you inherited the acting book? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <From> <laughs> my, my mom uh, is upset about that, but uh -oh. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, she married a, a, a performer. Why would she be upset? <laughs> yeah, well, she didn't start performing until he was in his 40s, so uh. it's great that he got a late start. But, you know, I took after him a lot like that. We're really creative. <laughs> so who should I ask this question to? Where did the name Mimes and Mummers come from? The name Mimes and Mummers... It's not 100% sure where exactly it came from. There are a couple different variations of the story. We know that the name was uh, decided on 1921. Um, the name was changed from the St. John's uh, Repertory Theater Company to the Mimes and Mummers. At the time, one of the headmasters or um, presidents of the school was concerned that there were too many St. Something theater clubs um, in the New York area. <laughs> so um, the legend goes that the m word mimes and mummers comes from a Shakespeare play. Sort of mysterious. <laughs> so can, can we dig into a little bit of the history of the mimes and mummers? The organization has been around since when? Like 18... 1855, actually. 1855. Mm -hmm. So how important are your roots to the club? I mean, we've been performing in the same space since 1905. It's really been interesting to see, looking back at old pictures, you know, that space is our space. Um, we've grown with the space. As we get new technology, we adapt it into the space, and then we can see how our shows grow and evolve throughout the different Years. Is it like a little closet or is it a room <laughs> or is it a, does it have a theater, performance space, chairs? What does it look like? Yeah, it's a full theater and in the style of a lot of New York City theaters, 
uh, when World War II came around, they needed a lot of steel, and they took it from a lot of college and high school theaters in the area because they always had this second balcony row of seats. And if you go into Collins, you could see it's massive. It is a massive ceiling because there used to be a second balcony. And during World War II, they ripped it out of here, too, for oh. the steel. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. So who ripped the steel out of what? The, the, <laughs> the U.S. government required people. They took your steel in yeah. the theater. The steel, Stole it. The steel beams, yeah. Mm-hmm. They took our beautiful balcony from us. <laughs> what, so what does the space look like? How do you perform? Is, uh, are they good acoustics? Like what? The it, acoustics are usually a problem, but we get around it. We use a lot of speakers. But uh, there's a still a four, about 400, 500 standard theater seats going out in a pretty reasonable way. It's just you could tell that there used to be something there. It's just a very empty balcony. Um, it's very interesting, actually, our theater, because we have a lot of interesting quirks that a lot Ooh. of theaters don't. Um, like what? Well, for one, our stage is just very deep. It's a very big area. Directors are always very intrigued by our theater because it's so large, the actual space in which the actors perform Uh on. And also what's kind of just like a weird, interesting thing is there's a big barn door right in the back of the stage. So if we're working on stage and we clear everything out of the way, there are just these two giant doors that we can open and it's just... What do they lead to? The outside. Nothing. Just the outside. <laughs> yeah, nothing in particular. It's almost just like two doors opening into like a giant window, which is pretty dangerous, I suppose. Um, but it's just an interesting, odd thing that we have. It uh, makes it kind of quirky in your own. Absolutely. Has absolutely. anybody ever gotten hurt? There. No, I not, not that we've heard of. No, <laughs> or not that you would tell. Me. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> exactly. nothing we're allowed to disclose. But, <laughs> but otherwise, it looks like if I walked into it, I would see that there's a stage, there's mm-hmm. chairs. Absolutely. I can visually see this. Oh, and yeah. if I look in the back of the theater, there's two big barn doors. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so you have to do a lot of farm productions. <laughs> only, only farm productions. <laughs> That's I think it. White Christmas would work perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, digging into the roots of the club, have there been anyone notable that has graduated, moved on, <laughs> anybody that we would know? Alan Alda, for one. Really? Um, he's a mime. He graduated in the 50s. I can't remember if it was 55 or 58. It was one of those two years. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's a mime alum. And also, our founder actually acted alongside of Edwin Booth, who was the brother of John Wilkes Booth. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> All yeah. right. The Mimes have a really extensive alumni network, and they do a lot of great events for us. They raise a lot of money for us. Our new light board and sound board are both uh, donations from our vast alumni network. So the alumni really stays connected with oh, the yeah. Mimes and Mimes oh, organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have events together and things like that to kind of mm-hmm. keep keep them motivated. Do they give you guys advice at all? Do you- with the Mimes, people do end up pursuing acting or theater, but a lot of people are not. And the reason they did the Mimes is because they love theater, but they're pursuing something else career-wise and um so can i ask you pat you're not you're not going to go into acting you're going into finance so what advice have these actors given you that you think you could take to another occupation well one of the great things i've found in theater is that it takes a lot of management to get everything set up correctly and make sure everything all the move there's so many moving pieces and that's applicable in every aspect of life and that's something that they've come back and said if you can manage a theater, you can manage most things. Has um, anybody else gotten some good advice? Yeah. Um, right now, I'm a uh, campaign manager for a campaign up in Connecticut. And um, when I was interviewing, I talked about my experience managing a theater as an example of how I'd be able to manage a campaign. So I got the job. So, yeah. <laughs> so that helped. 
It's very fantastic having such an extensive group of alumni because when they do come back, they make sure that the panel that they provide is very diverse in terms of what their occupations are. So they bring back people who are in the news industry working at NBC or something like that. Also, they bring back lawyers, you know, all different kinds of things, because since our group is all non-theater majors, there are a lot of us who are very interested in pursuing theater in terms of like acting or technically. But also, like Pat, there are a lot of people who have other dreams and aspirations. So it's great to have alumni who are still very connected and thankful for their experience with them but be able to provide life experience on their different occupations. Julie, have you gotten any good advice? Yeah, I was just about to chime in. I think one of the best things the MIMES has taught me, and especially the alumni, is to be creative. Especially, we do so many different technical departments, and we have somewhat of a small budget, so we're forced <laughs> to think on our feet and come up with creative solutions. Um, so give me an example of a creative solution you had to come up with. <laughs> so, for example, I was the costume designer for Legally Blonde, and the lead, Elle Woods, has so many different costumes and so many different quick changes that there was just no time for her to do quick changes in the dressing room. So I built little costume stands backstage, which is interesting, you know, changing. What's a back- costume stage? Or just like a, like a rack, a costume rack backstage. Okay. So that way we could get her on and off stage really quickly. And I'm not an expert in costumes whatsoever. So it was a challenge for me personally. But. Did you, do you find, though, being able to kind of do a little bit of everything also mm-hmm. motivates you? Does it challenge you in ways? Oh, absolutely. Because this way you're not, you know, you're not, I'm just the actor and somebody else is doing the production or I'm just the, you know, the sound person and I don't ever get on stage. Yeah. Do you find that helpful? Oh, yeah, definitely. We're, we're expected to explore a new technical position for each show. So we've each had experience in lighting and sound and set costumes, props, a little bit of everything. Yeah, Absolutely. Just to talk to that a little bit more, when I came in as a freshman, I was only an actor, only a performer. And the Mimes is very big on promoting all aspects of theater. So actors are required to finish tech hours is what we call them. So that means coming and building the set helping out in other different departments and I remember being very overwhelmed as a freshman having never used any power tools at all and just being very overwhelmed but I learned how to use the power tools and build a set and I think that's really fantastic because especially for me I was a performer in my first show and then the second show I just came to all of the set builds because I really loved the community that the mimes fostered and I didn't want to lose that community just because I wasn't acting in the show And that experience in itself really led me to be a bigger part of the mimes just because I found a love for all the other aspects of theater besides performing. And I think that's really important because particularly in a lot of high schools, it's very divided. There are tech people and there are actors. And I think it's important that there's overlap because it makes you appreciate everyone else's jobs. And that's definitely something that we hope to instill in all of our crew and tech people and also our actors. Do you think that in general, in the grand scheme of things, you know, stage managers, lighting, sound people, that they're sort of underappreciated? Because the performers are always the ones that make the big money. They get the, you know, they're the <laughs> ones that the television has uh, awards for. And, and and they have awards for these other positions, but those are not necessarily the ones they televise. Well, uh, as I always say, without technical 
crew, there would just be people standing on a stage in the dark without any costumes. <laughs> so I think there's a lot that we contribute, but it's definitely, as Ellie was saying, a big collaboration between the two. And I think we all have an appreciation for our strengths. Yeah. So. And I think a lot of times in certain companies, they can be underestimated or underappreciated. But I think that's something particularly that our club tries to push against. We don't want there to be any divide. We're all working together. You know, we're one big team. It's just almost like a sports team. We're all working together to find this big end goal. And if there's a divide, then it's not going to be the best that it can be. Remember me to Harold Square. Tell all the gang at 42nd Street that I will soon be there. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with members of the Mimes and Mummers, a Fordham University club that's been around since 1855. This question is for uh, everyone around the table. What do you think makes this club unique among all the other performance, dance clubs, acting clubs all around Fordham University's campus? What is so unique about Mimes and Mummers? The thing that is most unique for me is that uh, we hire our directors and music directors from Playbill, so we get lots of professional directors with a lot of Broadway, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway experience. And Higher as in have a budget? Yes. Yep. Really? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. We offer a standard $2,000 for our positions, whether they're director or music director, for every show. So for musicals, we have a director, music director, so that's $4,000 from our budget. And then for our straight plays, we have one director for $2,000. What does that bring to the table, it having a professional quote-unquote director or, or producer? I think it brings so much to the table because uh, we all can learn so much from them in every aspect because they've gone out there into the real world in acting and directing and they can bring design elements to it and they have so much to teach our actors which is all of our actors love coming in because they learn so much from our directors even in just an audition you can learn a lot from a director mm -hmm. and spending four weeks with them is really uh, so key. you always hire an outside director? Yes. yes. The okay. director is always, the director and music director are always outside hires. And the eight members of the Mimes and Mummers board will each head a tech position. And our directors help us interpret the plays that we choose beyond what we could just do as ourselves as students. So I think that's a lot. You know, we look for directors who can teach us about the text and you know, the actors really benefit from right. that. Another thing that's very important about having our directors that have worked on Broadway, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway come in and really help us is that it also helps us build a very extensive network. So by the time, you know, you're a senior and you've worked on multiple, multiple shows with us, that's a whole extensive network of directors and music directors that have worked with you closely on either performing or on a certain tech department. And it also really helps when they are still working in New York City in theater and let's say they're in a pinch and you were their stage manager on a show that we did, you know, a couple years ago and they're like, oh my gosh, who can I get really quickly? Oh, let me call this person because they were my stage manager and I know that they'd be more than willing to help out. So it helps you get your foot through the door. It helps you build that network. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, we had a director, Rob Schneider, and he's asked us to do different projects with him. He's done filming of some of them. What has he directed? The name sounds familiar. Do we know what he's directed? For us, he directed Nine the Musical, which Nine. was one of our big shows. Okay. And he assistant directed, um, I believe, Emma Thompson's performance of Sweeney Todd at, was it at the Philharmonic? 
Philharmonic? Yes, it yes. was okay. the Philharmonic. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to have that kind of connection with our directors because they do things in the city and we can kind of see them out in action. We've had people in the past, even from just the club in general, get take music lessons if they really connect with a music director before. And a lot of these people stay in New York, so it's really great. And you Again, mean vocal music vocal, lessons? Yeah. Or you mean, yes. we've, really? we've had people really mm-hmm. like a vocal or a music director and be like, can you give me vocal lessons? And then they keep communicating from years on out. I mean, yeah, and it's it's really fantastic because it provides a great opportunity for them too. I think a lot of times in the media industry, it can be very difficult to find actors who are still very fresh and just want to do it because they love it. Um, a lot of times when you're a professional actor, it can be just audition after audition after audition, and you can easily lose the spark because it's your profession and. It's what you have to do to make a livelihood, et cetera. And all of us are here because we just love doing theater. So it provides such a great opportunity for the directors because they get to come in and have a cast and crew of people who are just so excited to get started working on the project and they're eager to learn and they want to learn. So directors really, really love being a part of our community as well. What are some of your favorite performances that you've been involved with? And why? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I really um, thought Nine was an incredible show that we did. Um, Nine is about an uh, Italian filmmaker, um, a, a fictional one named uh, Guido Quantini. And it's about him kind of tackling the mistresses and women of his life when he's going through a rough patch with not only making a new film, but also with his wife. His wife threatens to leave him. And in order to figure out what he wants in life, he has to confront kind of um, surreally all the different women that he's ever encountered in his life. His mistress, his muse, his wife. Let me guess, there were nine of them? There were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a really challenging show. Um, Set-wise, it was a big show. It was um, a lot of actresses on the stage. There were, I think... 16. There were 16. a lot of us. <laughs> there were 16 girls total. And so it was just a lot to do, and it was just a lot of fun. It was. Um, I was really proud of that show. I would say for me personally, um, my favorite shows are always the shows that I am performing in and also working technically on. They're always the hardest because I'm doing a million things, but I absolutely love it and it's always worth it in the end. So I guess for me, Nine would definitely be one of them. Um, I had a very interesting character, not one of the lead characters, but I really liked my character. Her name was Stephanie. She was the only woman who hated this guy, this one guy that everyone was in love with. So it was fun because (laughs) I got to hate him. So (laughs) that was just a blast. And I also was doing publicity, um, which was a great opportunity on the show. So you learned to multitask. Yes, absolutely. And same with Legally Blonde. I was a performer in that show, but I was also designing lights for the first time. I was a light designer, which can be a challenge when you are first starting to figure out how to use a lighting board, etc. Um, <laughs> and you got to remember your line. Yes, you gotta, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Remembering the choreography, but also remembering uh, which button does what on the light board. <laughs> but it was a fantastic opportunity. And I think that show, I learned a lot about myself and what I'm capable of, both technically and performance-wise. Julie Packer? I think I really enjoyed A Streetcar Named Desire. What did you enjoy about it? Uh, I did publicity, and so it was my first time sort of delving into graphic design, and I ended up having a graphic design internship. So that was it gave me great experience, um, and I just loved it. Patrick? We did a show called Next to Normal, which is a show basically about, about drug addiction, <laughs> and it's about a dysfunctional family and a, a wife who has many, many mental ailments and her, as her family tries to hold it together and eventually they just crack. And it's a very moving show and the technical elements of that show were on a level that impressed our director to a whole 
different pedigree. What made it so technically exorbitant? Everything was spot on. The set was intense. We had a 24-foot catwalk, eight feet high in the air with a spiral staircase. And Why? Uh, <laughs> it was a house, Why right? not? It, it had, it, yeah, it had because to be. I would fall down those stairs, <laughs> spiral staircase. Trust me, I've done it. It's pretty challenging. I'm with you, though. <laughs> So it was so it was elaborate. It was yes. uh, uh, why did it need to be so elaborate? How did that add to the production? I think a lot of it, especially with the lighting design which was spectacular, it helped to add to the schizophrenic image of the show and like the house was pure white and then we used all these colorful, very colorful uh, lights, but it, colors that were still dark and eerie and it just created an effect that was like a uh, mood. Yeah, it was spectacular. It was my favorite performance we've done here. Typically, how many people are in a show or in Minds and Mummers, period? Um, We have about 40 active members in the club, and anyone can audition for the show. But because of the limitations of our stage, I think the most we've ever had on stage at once are 20 actors. But then we can have any number of people working on crew. I think we've had, you know, 20, 30 people helping anywhere from set to costume design to, you know, stage hands during the show. But we have a pretty solid membership base in the club. Um, but anyone can audition for our shows. You don't have to be technically a member of the club. And you don't have to keep it at a limit, like, oh, we can only take blank amount of people this oh, no, semester. We or... always, always need help. <laughs> <laughs> There's always just too much to do. How do you go about recruiting new potential new mimes and mummers? Um, we set up a table at the club fair, and we're active on social media. And the club fair is? The club for fair. For people who are not here. For, for people who aren't aware, um, club fair is when all... I think upwards of 90 clubs on campus um, set up tables around Edwards Parade and they recruit new members. Usually it's freshmen who are new to the school and trying to find their way around. So we love getting new freshmen um, involved in the club, especially it's such a community that I think they find a nice little home as their home away from home, you know, their first semester. So we do that. Okay, so if I was thinking like, mimes and mumbers, I want to find out more about this. I don't know. How would you persuade me to join? Well, at the beginning of the year and also at the beginning of the second semester, we hold a general interest meeting for all people who maybe have heard about us before or are freshmen or transfers and have no idea what they the think we might most. actually be. Mimes. Yes, a lot. It, shockingly enough, a lot of people are concerned that we are actually a mime troop. That's actually what I asked Patrick when I first had the conversation with him over the phone. I'm going, OK, do you guys actually put mime. on the white face? With we the are not mimes. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> we are not real mimes. Uh, we'll just put that out. Hey, no. we're open to anything i mean we're open if the right show comes along yeah, yeah who knows who knows we're all about it but yeah so we hold these general interest meetings and we kind of we tell, bribe them with pizza we bribe them with pizza absolutely <laughs> because that's what everyone wants <laughs> then we just kind of talk them through our club what we're all about what we like to do the community that we like to provide and then we usually get people involved through our social media pages yep. we have a very active facebook page and group we also have a twitter and instagram and a website. And we so. have our website. And our website has a lot of production photos from the past mm-hmm. few years so people can see actually what we're capable of, what kind of shows we like to do. And it also gives a background history of the club. So. And there was one where everybody was in white shirts and jeans <laughs> and you were at the beach. What was that about? Oh, um. so that was a few years ago. Our executive board took a little trip to Coney Island as a like, board bonding, I believe what that was. Yeah. So. What did you do to bond? I was not on the board at the time. This was a couple, this was a couple years, years ago. ago. But they just went to have fun. They went to Coney Island, went on some rides. 
had some time at the beach. <laughs> but I, I encourage everyone to um, to visit our website, mimesandmummers.com. Absolutely. Also our Facebook pages, because if you are very interested in being a part of what we do, that's usually where we post stuff that's like, hey, we're having a build right now. Stop by. Or What's we're a look- build? A couple nights a week, um, depending on how much time we have and availability of actors with rehearsals, etc. We hold builds and people just come for a couple of hours. They learn how to use the tools and we build the set all together. Is this only for Fordham University students or is this a call out to anybody who's interested? This is just for Fordham University students. It's for students who are interested in being a part of our club. So they can be a part of our club through doing that. So they come out and they see the the stage that you've created for this particular production, mm-hmm. and then they do what? They actually help us create that stage. So all we go to Home Depot, we get a ton of wood, we get a ton of paint, all of our supplies that we need, and we are the ones using our saws and our So if our I'm drills. still not sure I want to be in Mimes and Mummers and I come out, you're going to put me to work? That's yeah, <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe. <laughs> um, no, I mean, well, for, for people who are interested in that element of theater, they come out. They help us. It's really fun. We have a great time. We play music. Sometimes we order food. And it's so great to just in a couple of hours span of time see someone come in and be like, oh, I I don't want to use that. I don't want to use that saw. It freaks me out. I have no idea how to use it. I'm terrified of it. Right. To like at the end being like, can I cut it? Can I cut it? <laughs> right. And they're just like cutting, cutting. And I'm like, can you stop using the saw? We don't need that cut. <laughs> I built a wall. Um, yeah. It's like, we did not need that. But it's really Can fantastic. I keep the saw? Yeah. <laughs> I actually read that you guys are putting on rent yes yes we are Uh, are. i definitely want to come see that (laughs) which is about rent is just the most fantastic musical on earth um (laughs) i'm a little biased it's my favorite thing ever so i'm super super excited for us to be let me guess you proposed it (laughs) i think we all i I think all of us were like yes we're doing this (laughs) um it was a collaborative effort rent is a tremendous story about seven people trying to make it and survive in New York City. And it's a story that deals with so many different things like love, drug abuse, sexuality, and friendship. It's a very beautiful and touching story. I'm sure a lot of people have either seen the movie or seen it while it was on Broadway. But we are very, very excited to be tackling this production in our club. I think it's going to be fantastic for our university to be putting this on and exposing a lot of things that we haven't exposed before because of different confines. I really think it's going to be great for Fordham's community, not just the theater community, but Fordham's community as a whole, because it does tackle so many issues that everyone, you know, tends to shy away from or doesn't want to talk about. They're very personal. And Rent really highlights them in such a beautiful, beautiful way. How is your production going to be different than either the movie or the Broadway play? So what I think will be different for our production of Rent is not necessarily the show itself, although we always try to add elements that make our show stand out from what they previously were. But I think what will be spectacular about our show is what we're doing and where we're doing it. We're putting on Rent at a Jesuit university. And this has kind of been a recent trend at other Jesuit and Catholic universities. They've been putting on shows that have been kind of pushing the envelope a little bit in concern to their school's beliefs. And we haven't been able to do that yet, necessarily, and especially with our troupe. And I think we're all very, very excited to be providing this opportunity for actors, crew members, and more importantly, our students and faculty here at Fordham. 
Do you guys ever have to run uh, your production ideas past any official at Fordham University? Oh, before you yes, do it? we you do. do. Yes. <laughs> everything, everything we do, everything any club does on campus. From the poster to uh, from the, the poster to the to the, the ticket aud- stub, the audition, <laughs> the audition flyers. Have you ever had one that was a uh, no way? Yes, yes, yes. Um, multiple, multiple times. A, f- a few years ago, the club proposed doing Spring Awakening. Uh, it's sort of a rock musical that's about these teenagers in like I think it's nineteen. 19- 19th century Germany. Germany and they're exploring their sexuality and what that means in that in that culture and there are just a number of things that Fordham was not exactly like, okay not with happen. right mm-hmm. and so that was a few years ago that they said no we we don't want you guys to put this on which is fine you know we has that ever happened with um, a production that you had to, we really fought for and won um, Maybe I you'll think take that out this rent will and... be our big jump. I think so too. But another a good example, not necessarily that we had to fight for it, but um, I think two years ago we put on Assassins, which is a yes. Stephen Sondheim musical about all of the assassins and attempted assassinations on American presidents. It's a really fantastic musical, but unfortunately we were putting it on January and February following Sandy Hook. So I think we as a club decided to maybe reevaluate if this was a good time for us as a club to put it on. And we ultimately decided, yes, that we should, because obviously gun control in the debate is very timely. And I think we did um, do a collaboration with the history department and the political science department as to hold a talk back after the show about the idea of Independence and gun control, and so you so you did put we it did on, on the show, and then you just uh, you added that element of a uh, of a conversation of, yes. afterwards. Mm-hmm. We thought that the timing provided an opportunity for us to have a conversation about what was going on. Are so. you going to do that uh, in the future with other shows? With Rent, um, I, don't think so, I work right. for the Office of Multicultural Affairs here on campus, and we want to do a series of uh, sustained dialogues. We call them what we do dialogues over a course of a couple weeks, starting um, two weeks before the show, where we invite students and faculty to come and talk about the themes that will be in Rent. And then they'll go and see Rent, and then we'll have a talk back afterwards. So that way it kind of frames the show within a series of discussions. Um, so it's not only an sh- entertaining show, but it's also an academic piece. My thanks to Patrick, James, Ellie, and Julie, Fordham's Mimes and Mummers. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'd also like to thank my producer, Megan Connor. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. You can hear Fordham Conversations every Saturday at 7. You can also friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and catch up on past shows with our weekly podcast. Stay with us, George Bodarki and Cityscaper next. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.